Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for not giving up on us. We ask that may Christ alone be exalted in the name of our Lord Jesus. We thank God for the opportunity to live and to see another day just to live for him. Well, we are beginning our new series on what you would like to title, The Parable of the Loving Father. And you will be privileged to have Bene to take us through the parable. All right. So I thank God for the opportunity. Amen. So what comes to your mind whenever you think about God? I read the book and then the author said that when he was growing up, he once thought Jesus Christ was the ninth person. He thought the Holy Spirit was quite mysterious because we don't really see him. But then we've come to know that he exists. And then he thought God the Father was um, somehow wicked, a stern, like old man somewhere, waiting to devour you sinners, like you as a sinner. So I also had this perception when I was growing up, and then I, I, I once told someone that like God is a wicked God. I was so sure of it, but then by God's grace now, this perception is no more, and by God's grace, my mind is renewed. When you read um. Exodus chapter 20 verse 4, it talks about the commandments of God. It says that you shall not make for yourself a carved image and other versions translate it as an idol. You see, the problem with um, idols is that an idol reduces God to less of who he really is. So it was easier for me to believe that God is a great God. It was easier for me to believe that God is a mighty God. God is a just God. But that God is forgiving. God is love. God is gentle. God is kind. It didn't really sink into I always felt God was away from me and then I always felt undeserving because if God is just and God is punishing sinners, I always felt short, I always do the I always do the wrong thing. So like he felt far away and I felt so undeserving to be with him and then to know him. So I thought God only liked me when um, I did the right and like I wore myself out to do the right thing. So like yesterday, as a prayer meeting, when you are sweating, you know that yeah, God cares about me. God has seen my prayers, so God really likes me. So after doing everything, wearing yourself out to do the right thing, let's say you were hungry, but then you gave your food to someone else and the person ate it, and then you start in hunger, then you feel God likes you. And I think that's how the Pharisees in the Bible, they saw God. They saw him as a stern master, um, legalistic. He was distant and unapproachable. So you can even see from the um, the parable Jesus gave in Luke chapter 18, verse 10. The Bible says that um, two men went to pray. One was a Pharisee and then one was a task collector. The Pharisee's prayer was, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other 
and tax collector. I'm not like the other people. But then I fast twice that day, I pay my tithe. So we do is doings, like doing good, doing acts of righteousness. The Pharisees thought that like God would like them or God was pleased with them. But Jesus Christ was quite different. Jesus Christ was like, he's amazing, he's nice, he's wonderful. He presented a very unique view of God. So throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he almost always referred to God as Father. So when you read, you can see, let's say, my father, your father, and the father, and the most popular one, our father. Yes, so this was, like, this is very amazing because as Christians, it's good to be a minister of God, and it's good to be a prophet of God, it's good to be called an apostle of God, and even a disciple of God, but nothing is more, like, more amazing, and there's nothing more wonderful than being called a child of God and I think it's the best title God can ever give you. It speaks of having a it, it speaks of like a personal relationship and an intimate relationship with God. And it's also nice to be called a friend of God. I mean, the Bible says that Abraham was called a friend of God. But then if you can let's say recall there were some people five years ago you called friends and you were close to but as I speak to you now, you don't even know where they are. And then some of them are not as close as they were to you. So if some of them, you used to call them friends, but now you can, you call them, let's say my classmates, my schoolmates. Yeah, so, but um, a son, a brother, a family, like relative remains always. Yeah, so the most beautiful title God can give you is not... Um, being an apostle of God is not being a, an evangelist. It's not even being people would say um, a healing evangelist, a prophet of God. Those are all very very nice and very very nice titles. But then the most amazing thing, the wonderful thing that the most wonderful thing that God can do for you and give to you is to give you the position or the title of a son or a daughter so i like to call myself a lovely daughter of god yeah so i'm um, giving first john chapter 3 verse 1 says it's nice i'm reading from the um, erv version it says the father has loved us so much this shows how much he loved us we are called children of god um other versions says um, the passion it says look with wonder at the depths of the father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us he has called us and made us his own beloved children yeah so it's good to be all that you can ever be to god but to be a child of god is the most amazing thing you know the sad reality is that a lot of christians um feel or do not really appreciate it and do not totally embrace this view that or this reality and truth that god is really our father so a lot of times we say it with our mouth we are children of god we are children of god but our life or what we do our way of life doesn't really depict um the truth that we actually 
and children of God. And this is the main focus for our series. So um, it's my fervent prayer that by the end of this whole series, we all, you and I, I'm learning, we all come to comprehend and appreciate and totally embrace the truth and reality that God truly is our Father. And just as we are so close and intimate with our earthly parents, we will be and then we will appreciate that we can have that same intimate, personal, um, close and lasting relationship with God, our Father, who is in heaven and with us here. So let's go to um, Luke chapter 15. That will be our main text for discussion for this particular series. So if you have your Bibles, you turn to Luke chapter 15. I'll be reading. I'm reading. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So I think um, most of us are like the Pharisees. We believe that God is just. God hates sin. So like the Pharisees, well, God is just and God hates sin and he punishes sin. So why is this man, Jesus, who claims to be from God, always dining with sinners, always being and receiving sinners, right? So Jesus Christ gave this parable to explain or answer their complaints. The Bible says, from verse 3 so he spoke this parable to them saying but then in actual fact the parables are three yeah so we will be taking them one by one <clears throat> so i'm reading from verse 4 what's man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. So this is the first parable. I'm going to the second parable, <clears throat> verse 8. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if he loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until he finds it? And when he has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. So this is about, um, the first parable talks about leaving the 99, a man leaving the 99 to pursue one sheep. And the second one is a woman sweeping her whole house. I can imagine if she was living in a very huge mountain. The Bible says she sweeps the house and search carefully until she finds her missing coin. So one thing you can see about these um, missing items is that they are both very precious to the owner because if the man with the hundred sheep, if that particular sheep wasn't very precious to him, he wouldn't have left the 99, leaving the 99 depicts, leaving everything, leaving all his possessions just to pursue the one missing item or the one missing sheep. Like as a woman went to such extreme extent just to find her silver coin. I'm sure if you misplaced 
um, let's say you're 10 persons in your room, I'm not sure you go um, to a very high extent to find it. Then if you lose, let's say, a new 200 CV notes, I'm sure you will look inside your room, like your wardrobes, just to find it. So these items are very precious to God. And for both of them, their owners went to extreme extent to find these items. Also, um, after each of the parables, the Bible says that, like Jesus said, likewise, when a sinner repents, the second one, so Jesus said, likewise, when a sinner repents, there is joy in the presence of God, which means that the Pharisees were saying, Jesus, why are you spending time with the sinners? And Jesus is saying, these sinners are very precious to God's eyes right so we the bible makes us understand that we are all sinners and we have fallen short of the glory of god so you and i we were once sinners and in christ we are no more sinners but in our sinful state the bible says that we are so precious in the eyes of god and i want you to know that god really really likes you he really really loves you if the word god loves you is too familiar to you i just may be changing this let me see it this way. God likes you. God really, really loves you. And God doesn't like you or he doesn't love you just because of what you can do for him. But he really likes you, whether you believe it or not. And I dare you to believe this fact. I dare you to believe this truth that God really loves you. And he really likes you like for who you really are. And I dare you to believe it. It's, it's one of, how do I say it, is the truth and this truth changed my life and it has been amazing and i also want you to have this wonderful relationship with god by believing that god loves you you know you can save souls you can do a lot of things for god but if you don't really understand that god loves you and he cherishes you and he adores you to get to some point in your walk with God. You will do all that you do for God just to seek approval from him. But then he really and he already approves for you. So one thing you have to know and come to the knowledge of and understand is that God likes you. And it's not because you can do something for him. It's not because you can win souls. It's not because you can evangelize. It's not because you can preach. But he likes you and he loves you. Amen. So we are moving to the third parable from verse 11 I'm reading. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of Guza falls to me. So he divided his livelihood. And not many days after now, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. So um, I think most of us know this particular parable as a parable of the prodigal son yeah. but let's for this particular series look at it in another light yeah so there were two sons who were living with their father and then i think the younger son might have looked outside he might have wondered whether there was a better life for him outside his father's house because i think he had been living there all his life and then he has he might have thought maybe there's a better life for me maybe i can find more joy in another country outside my father's house and he was so convinced of this other life. He was so convinced of this joy or um, hope of a better life that he went as far as telling his father that I want you to divide your livelihood and give me 
the, the portion which falls on and falls to me. And you know, you can never inherit any property from your father unless your father is dead. And so the, the youngest son's literal request, in other words, he said, Father, I wish you were dead and then I would rather have your money than you you also like when you think about it in this way that the son may um have been so so convinced that there was a better life um out there which was far better than his father which was far better than everything he had known so he wanted to pursue that particular life of pleasure and um i would like to end here and ask us a few questions let's say you're in in the church you go to church you might have thought that probably there's a better life than this christianity there's a better life than um, um, going to church reading the bible you have thought that maybe you can find more joy in cheating can have more joy in um, and you're, you're jobless someone is asking um, willing to give you a job if you could fornicate with him or her you might have thought that probably I would find more joy and satisfaction in pursuing this outside world or pursuing this particular thing but so I want to throw this question at you do you think that yeah, the younger son believed a lie that there was a better life for him outside his father's house or he was actually pursuing the right thing. So I would end here and uh, um and I'll allow um, Sam and my other colleagues and friends to come in. Bene, God bless you so much for your expose on Luke chapter 15 and the parable. So we would like to take our suggestions and we we'll start with Ben. Okay, um thank you very much. Um I think I learned a lot from what um, a woman of God shared. Okay, I'll just share something small that I learned. So the son wasn't um, patient enough to understand that everything in his father's house was for him. As the book of Galatians says that, Galatians chapter 4 verse 1, that the heir, as long as he's a child, he fareth not from the slave, though he be the master of all. So he didn't understand that everything that was going on in the house of his father was for him. Everything, the preparations and everything was for him. So that when his father checks out of the scene, he was going to have the property for himself. And he allowed his immaturity to um, allow him to go in for the goods or his share of the properties. And I think in the weeks to come, we will look at the repercussions of what he did. I just want us to look at that aspect that we shouldn't allow our immaturity or our impatience to force us to go into things that we are not supposed to go into. Everything that we are going through is, or we are looking for some things in life, but we are not seeing them. Maybe it's because God is waiting for the opportune time. He's waiting for the right time to give them unto us. So I'm just trying to say that we should all come into terms of the fact that God is a loving God and he's our father. And everything that he's doing is, he's doing it um, to honor us. As Romans also said, that all things work together for our good, for them that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. So we shouldn't enter into that state of impatience and immaturity to look out into the world and then rush to see what is out there. But we should trust our father who is in heaven and know that he is working everything on our behalf. And I know that everything is going to 
work in our favor. Yeah, so thank you very much and God bless us. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, Benji. The parable of the loving father. So you go to Baba. Okay, so I want to add that as the man rightly stated in first John chapter three, that behold what man of love it is that God should call us his son. So I believe that if we are sons of God, every father knows what's right for his son at the right time. So I believe that we shouldn't be in a haste to ask for blessings from our father because he knows the opportune time to give it to us. Definitely all the inheritance that the son was asking would be his when his father had died or was about to depart. But then because he was in a haste to take it at a time while his father was alive, first of all, wasn't right. So we as Christians also, God has in stock several blessings for us and then he knows when to give it to us. So sometimes maybe when we are praying, then asking for something and it seems God is not answering or God is not giving us our needs. We shouldn't be in a haste to get it by force or seek other means of getting it just to go out only for us to realize that we will squander it. So I believe that God calls us his sons. We are children of God and then God knows when to give us our blessing. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you, Baba. God bless you so much. Um, Abena. Okay, so I would like to touch on what she was speaking on at the beginning about all of us being precious in the sight of God. And God doesn't love us based on our work as Christians. Like he doesn't love us based on what we do for him. His love is unconditional. Like no matter how we think, how small we feel, how useless we feel in God's house. He always loves us. And as Bene was saying, sometimes we find ourselves in the house of God and we look at the lives of unbelievers and we think, hey, these people are having fun, these people are chilling. I just keep going to church, I just keep doing this, I just keep doing that, my life is boring. Maybe you feel uh, people are making money, you are just serving God and serving God, where's your money? I just want to tell us that God knows best and God knows when to give you what. So let's just be patient, let's stay in his house. The father knows best and he loves us all the way. Yeah, that's so. Thank you. Thank you too. Thank you so much. God bless you. Um, I don't know, does anybody have a question? Anybody have a question or something that he wants us to take a look at concerning what we have shared? That the son asked the father, give me my share that belongs to me. And I, I like a point, Benaris. She was like, indirectly, the son was saying that I wish you were dead. Because the only way I can get what belongs to me is if you are dead. So the son didn't see the relevance of the existence of his father. Um, I would just like to touch on a few things that my friend shared. Um, starting with what Ben said, um, I think that for me personally, I coined my definition of impatience from what the son did. The property was already for him, but the issue was that he wanted it now. I think that the son knew it was, it was for him. That's why he went to ask for it. Because if it was not for him, there was no need to go and ask for something that does not belong to you. So the son said, give me my portion of the inheritance that belongs to me. And I think this is one of the things that has really um, um, robbed many believers from enjoying the generosity of the father. We want now what God has reserved for tomorrow. 
So impatience is simply the ability to want now what God has reserved for you tomorrow. And it's interesting to know that many of the sins we commit, it's because of a wrong timing. It's not that God doesn't want you to have them, but it's the time that God wants you to have it. So the activity in itself is not the same, but the timing of the activity is what is the issue now. And many other times, because we want so many things now, this desire of us has lured us into many other things. So you know that God is going to bless you with money, but instead of you to wait for God to bless you, we prefer to rather cut corners. We prefer to rather over invoice or under invoice. You know that God wants to give you a, a beloved, but you prefer to rather go and backbite against somebody and take his beloved or take his spouse. You know that God is going to give you a car. You know that God is going to give you um, a house. God is going to give you something. But the issue is that are you willing to wait for the time that the Father has appointed? Or you are like the younger son who says, give me my portion now. And I believe that this is really a wake-up call to many of us. Join the blessing that God has for you. God will give you that money. There's no need to steal for the money. There's no need to lie for the money. There's no need to be dishonest for the money. So impatience has robbed many of us from enjoying the things that the Father has in store for you. God wants to give you that car. God wants to give you that money. God wants to give you that marriage. But the issue is that are you willing to wait for the time that the Father has appointed in His own will? And I think that is what is robbing me of us. That is why it's genuinely, the more I live on this earth, the more I realize how difficult it is in finding honest people to work with. And it's not the thing that really saddens me the most because the reality of life is that you can't achieve a lot by yourself. But the sad thing that the person you are going to entrust will not be faithful with because the person wants now what the father has reserved for later. So I really want to encourage us. There's no need to cut corners when it comes to God. The inheritance is yours. The goods are for you. But are you willing or are you patient enough to wait when the Father has appointed to give you this thing? Please do not allow impatience to rob you. In fact, I think one of the most difficult things to do is to wait. Like it's like you are just there. You know the thing is yours, but it's just about waiting. And I believe this is God's word to somebody that I know that employment has delayed. I know that beloved has delayed. I know that money is delayed. I know that opportunity is delayed. But are you able to wait? And I believe that somebody would open up his heart and know that you don't need to cut corner. You don't need to do that. If only you wait, the things are for you. God doesn't need a car in heaven. God doesn't need a marriage in heaven. God doesn't need money in heaven. In fact, gold is what they used to make gold. So God is not using your money for anything. But the issue that are you willing to wait until the time appointed by the Father? As Bernard was saying, he asked the question that, do you think that there is something better outside the house of our Father? And I think many of us are falling to this lie, that there is something better outside the house of our Father. There is something better outside the of our father there's something better outside the desires of our father so that so many times people know clearly what god has stated in this word concerning their life but yet we think that god is not wise enough many people ask the, the question that how would we know we are compatible sexually if we don't sleep together before marriage that question may look wise but it's an insult on the wisdom of god we think god was not aware when he stated that this thing should happen only after marriage but many of us we think that there is something better outside the house of our father many a times we think there's something better outside the will of our father we think there's something better outside the desires of our father. So we are always poking our necks to see what is going on outside. I remember a friend once told me about a colleague in his workplace. And according to what he told me, he said the colleague was a prayer secretary in a university. I think yeah, she was a lady too, a lady prayer secretary. So you can imagine, I'm sure, the 
purpose were crashing on her. But when this lady started working, she told my friend, who was a colleague, something that she wants to go and see what is inside the world because it seems like all her life she has been in the church, all her life she has been praying in the church, all her life she has been singing in the church, all her life she has been working in the church. So she wants to go and see what's outside. And apparently, it wasn't a joke. Some of my friend told me she was just going out, partying, clubbing, and whiling away the gift of life that God has given to her because she had fallen for the lie that there's something outside my father's house. And it's interesting, we see it all around. We have seen so many people who start in the church but they never get to end in the church. We have seen so many people who sing in the church, but today they are nowhere to be found in the church because they are falling for the lie that there is more money outside the church. They are falling for the lie that there are better things outside the Father's house. But I came to remind anybody who is being lied to that there is something outside your Father's house. There is nothing better outside the Father's house. And I believe in our second episode, we will take a perusal of life outside the Father's house. We really want to encourage you that do not want now what God has reserved for you tomorrow. And there is nothing better than what is in the Father's house. God bless you so much. And we are really grateful to have you here. So we would like to take our scripture that we would pray on. And that's taken from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. And you see, many of us are not getting what John is saying. John is saying that the love the Father has upon us is for them. But many of us do not appreciate the fact that we are children of God. So we want to pray and we are just simply thanking God for the rare privilege of being called children of God. Many of us would want to give up everything to be called children of Dangote, or children of the gate, or children of the job, because of the value we have placed on certain things that we think they have. But many of us have not appreciated what it means to be called a child of God. Many of us have not come to terms with the reality of what it means to call God Father. So John tells us that what manner of love is this? But many of us will look at our lives and the least thing that we are proud of about ourselves is that we are fortunate of God. In fact, we don't even believe in the consciousness of who we are in relation to God. We are conscious about every other thing than who we are in Christ. We want to just pray and thank God that He calls His Son, that we can call Him Father. Even great men such as the President of Nations, no individual can just approach them anytime. You have to come to an organization in or write an approval or one way or the other. They mostly come in, in corporations or organizations or unions. But God, the creator of the universe, the creator who never repeats his invention, has given us the opportunity to access him anytime, anywhere, anyhow. And we want to thank God for this ability. We want to thank God for this grief. We want to thank God for this feeling. And we want to pray that God may we come to the realization of what it means to be called children of God. Father, may we come to the realization of what it means to call you Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you all, and we hope to see you next week for the part two of the parable of the loving father and the subtitle, Life Outside the Father's House. Give God your best and make sure that the only thing you are owing somebody is not money, is not a pair of shoes that they are feeling to return, but make sure that the only thing you owe somebody is love. God bless you and see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.